is a bit wet this morning. We're going to try to do something to inspire that wood and get that revival spirit flowing. Now, the choir's got one we hope will pick you up this morning, and you feel free to join in. All right, you'll see what I'm talking about in just a moment. All right, let's revert worship him today. <clears throat>
revive us again. Make it our prayer today. Revive us again as we sing. church, 200 boxes that we make, but then also you as individuals uh, bring hundreds of boxes in as well. And so you'll notice this morning out in the foyer, there are hundreds of boxes that are ready for you to pick up and take uh, with, with you to Walmart or to Dollar General or to the dollar store or wherever and fill those up with goodies. And uh, we'll be uh, having our packing party as a church family with all those items that have been collected through the year as a church. Uh, that'll be in November, but you grab those boxes individually right now and begin to fill those just as a family. Also, you'll notice uh, on, on the uh, information you got today, there's a little card there, and that's an opportunity for you to join the prayer ministry of Operation Christmas Child, and just it'll, they'll send you every so often a reminder of things that could be prayed for for this ministry. If you want to uh, fill that out, rip it off, and you can either give it to Tina, or you can just put it in the offering plate, and we'll get it to her, uh, but an opportunity for you to be a little bit more plugged into that ministry, and, and very excited about that. Uh, so many things going on right now. Uh, make sure that you are uh, reading your bulletin to see those things that pertain to you and to your family. I uh, do have uh, many that we need to be in prayer for uh, this week. Many of you, I'm sure, have heard. We want to pray for the family of Brother Calvin Wilkins, our former pastor, as he passed away this week, and he is at home with his Savior in glory right now. And uh, just what a, what a man who has impacted so many of our lives. I'm, I just know that uh, he was such an encourager to me, and I love love brother calvin so much and we certainly want to remember uh, miss norma and the entire family in our prayers this morning i know there are many hurts uh, many concerns on the hearts of many today 
Uh, but most importantly, we want to pray for the lost. Uh, we want to pray for the opportunity to, to see the lost saved today. We want to pray for the opportunity this week to have those gospel conversations with the one, the two, the three the Lord's laid on our hearts uh, that we might see them come to know Jesus. And so uh, let's pray the Lord give us those opportunities even this week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you today. Thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship. Lord, to be able to lift up our, our hearts and our voices to you and, and, and to truly celebrate, to celebrate what you have done in our lives. Lord, you have moved us from death to life. Lord, that's something to celebrate today. And Lord, as we enter into this first service of, of our revival week, uh, Lord, I pray that hearts are ready right now. I pray that as we've spent time uh, focusing on prayer over the last few weeks, Lord, that our hearts are ready. And, and Lord, that we've come into this place saying, Lord, speak to me today. Lord, I'm ready to hear a message. Lord, if, if it's correction, Lord, I pray that I would take that correction. Lord, if it's encouragement, I, I pray that, that I would hear that today. Lord, I know that there are many uh, that, that may be lost who are here today, who are watching on television or watching on Facebook Live, and I pray even right now that you're beginning to convict their hearts of sin. Lord, that they might recognize that their greatest need is, is not a new relationship or a new job or more money, or whatever else it may be that they think is going to fix things. But they would recognize their greatest need is a relationship with you. And so, Lord, today I pray for salvation in the life of, of many today. Lord, you know the concerns on hearts today, and we lift all of those up to you. And we trust that you're going to work as only you can in the hearts and lives of individuals, of families, and, as a, and of us as a church family today. And so, Lord, we give this time over to you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isn't it great to know that we worship and serve a Savior who is alive? And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Let's stand and sing that. Let's sing it again. Can we sing? God sent his son. God sent his son. Yes. They call him Jesus. He
Well, we are very excited this week um, to be able to have Dr. Richard Hamlet uh, as our evangelist for the week and very excited about the messages that he is going to bring to us throughout the week. Uh, Dr. Hamlet is the founder and president of Global Ministries Foundation. Uh, he is an international evangelist who has ministered in nearly 100 countries around the globe, uh, preaching the saving message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, and training many national pastors in many of those countries and additionally in countries close to the gospel creative strategies have been used to advance the gospel and to reach the lost through uh, non-traditional means he has formerly uh, served as pastor in churches across Tennessee Georgia and Mississippi and we're excited to have Dr. Hamlin his wife Ginger uh, ministering with us during this week of revival services and I know that you will join with me throughout the week in praying for him and praying the Lord would just lay the messages that this community needs to hear uh, upon his heart. And so uh, here in just a moment, he will be coming and uh, bringing God's word. But this morning is uh, we come to the beginning of this service, not just at the end, but as we come to the beginning, we want to give you the opportunity to spend some time in prayer. And we recognize that as we come into any service, and a revival service is no different, we bring a lot of different issues upon our hearts and upon our minds to this place. And so uh, we want you to know right now that this altar is open and it's an opportunity for you to come and, and to just spend some time with the Lord and, and to give over whatever those concerns may be and to lay them down and to trust the Lord with them, to leave them here and allow the Lord to deal with those today. And so this morning with every head bowed and with all eyes closed, we want you to know this altar is open. Come and let's spend some time in prayer together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you that no matter what it is that we're facing today, it is not bigger than you, our God. And so, Lord, this week there have been many families who have been faced with difficult diagnoses. Families that are going through the loss of loved ones. Families that are struggling with relationships that are broken individuals who are struggling with substance abuse. Lord, but most importantly, we know today that there are many who are lost. Lost in their sin and, and desperate to know, of, is there really an answer? And Lord, we're so thankful that today the answer is yes, there is an answer. And his name is Jesus. And to the family that feels like they're falling apart, the answer is Jesus. And to, to the family that doesn't know how they're going to make ends meet, the answer is Jesus. And to to the difficult diagnosis, the answer is Jesus. And so, Lord, today we're so thankful that we have the opportunity to come and to worship King Jesus and to turn all of our cares and concerns over to you. And today I pray that you would just speak to each and every one of our hearts. And, Lord, allow us to recognize that we have been changed because we have met with you. Lord, be with Dr. Hamlet today. Speak through him. Give him the words that this community and this church needs to hear. To your honor and to your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Let's stand together and sing this grand old song together. And if it's your testimony, I want to hear you sing it, that you have victory in Jesus. Let's stand. Here we go. There's a line that's been drawn through the ages. On that line stands an old rugged cross. On that cross 
a battle is raging for the souls of man's soul or his loss. On one side march the forces of evil, all the demons and all the devils of hell. And on the other, the angels of glory. And they meet on Golgotha's hill. The earth shakes with the force of the conflict. The sun it refuses to shine for there hangs god's son in the balance and then through the darkness he cries it is finished the battle is over finished there'll be no more war it is finished the end of the conflict yes it is finished and jesus is in my heart the battle was still raging not all prisoners of war had come home these were battlefields of my own making I didn't know that the war had been won. Then I heard that the king of the ages had fought all life's battles for me. And that victory, victory was mindful the claiming
you, Brother Rockney, for that wonderful message in music. Ginger and I are so glad to be here in western Kentucky at this wonderful New Testament church. Thank you, Brother Baird, for the invitation. We've been praying for several months for this week of preaching events here. We call revival because Ginger and I, with all our ministries all over the world for almost 25 years, uh, we know that revival is something, Pastor, that cannot be manufactured by man. Revival cannot be manufactured by a church. God in heaven must rend down from his throne in his gospel mercy, and he must bring revival through the work of his spirit. As the spirit blesses the word of God in prayer, those means of grace that God has given us. And so I want to thank you for this opportunity. As an evangelist of Christ, I'm under the authority of this New Testament church and under this pastor who God has put here to lead as an under-shepherd. So God has given me a passage of scripture this morning. Uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, I just want to make sure the sound men, do I sound okay? All right. Uh, sometimes I may get a little emphasis in my message, uh, so uh, if he has to turn me down a little bit at times, he can do that, but I think that the Lord is in control of everything in this place. He's sovereign, and uh, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture in chapter 2 of Ephesians, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. I believe whenever we look at a passage of Scripture, we must look at the context surrounding the verses we are considering. And so here is a wonderful paragraph of God's inspired word to begin our week of revival together here at this wonderful church. So I'm reading from chapter 2, verse 1. Here we are. Are you and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show in the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God hath prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now may God do what only God can do on this Sunday morning in 
Benton, Metropolis, Kentucky. And that is, may he bless the public reading of his inspired, unadulterated word. Amen. Well, Ginger and I are from Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and uh, we're a few hours away. How many of you have been to Memphis before? Anybody here? Okay. Memphis is my hometown and Ginger's hometown. A few times we've tried to leave Memphis, but God has brought us back to Memphis. Memphis is flat there by the river. It's Delta land. It was so encouraging to drive up here with the hills of western Kentucky. But we were in Memphis uh, many years uh, uh, there uh, before I was called to ministry. And my former pastor was a man you may have heard of. His name was Dr. Adrian Rogers. We were members of the Bellevue Baptist Church, that small country church in Memphis, Tennessee. And when I was a businessman, uh, before God called me into the ministry almost 25 years ago, I remember Dr. Rogers saying so eloquently as he could do, and only he could do really with his golden throat voice. He said, there may be others who can preach better than I can. There may be others who can communicate the gospel better than I can, but I tell you, there is no one else who has a better gospel to preach than I do. And so I stand here in the confidence of the power of the Holy Spirit, which I've committed, who I've committed to in the next few minutes, to take my tongue and loose my tongue and anoint my tongue so that you might hear clearly God's word today in simplicity and purity. So I've chosen one verse out of this context to, to expound today and amplify and illustrate for you. And it's those two words at the beginning of verse 4. Are you watching? Are you listening? Those on social media, those here in the assembly, it's two words, and they are simply this. But God. But God. You say, Brother Richard, you're going to spend a few minutes, more than a few minutes on two words? Stay tuned, because God is going to use this verse, these two words, I believe, in every person that's connected today. Because God has you here for a reason. You are not here by accident, friend. From the foundation of the world, God had you ordained to be here today. And everybody who's watching, listening, you didn't just turn on because you were surfing the internet. You're connected to this program for one reason, so that you can hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's three words I want to share as observations about this phrase, but God, within the context First of all, in but God, God did the impossible. God did the impossible. Do you realize that? If you're a Christian today, do you realize that there was a day in your past when God did the impossible in your life? You see, the context here is Paul had spent three years in Ephesus, which is now really Asia Minor. Uh, or now Turkey, they called it Asia Minor then. And Ginger and I have been into this city of ruins in Ephesus. And when I was preaching in Istanbul in Turkey for a week years ago, and we took a day trip and went over to see these remains, and we saw some of the archaeological remains and what this city was at the time of the writing of this, uh, of this letter of Paul. And I remember thinking back and 
seeing those theaters that were there that Paul must have spoken in and preached in as Acts 18, 19, and 20 shares us in the historical narrative of his time in Ephesus. Three years he was there. And he was there and these, uh, these Ephesians were pagans. Uh, they, were, they were worshipers of idols, ladies and gentlemen. In that century, they were not serving the God of the Bible. They had not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ yet. There were unreached people groups in Ephesus where Paul was when he ministered there. Are you listening today? And Paul went with a message that was a transforming message. It was the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ, which was able to save their souls. And Paul preached the gospel and it got him in trouble. Everywhere Paul went in the book of Acts, that great apostle and missionary preacher, he would preach the gospel and the world would come after him and try to cancel him out. You see, the cancel culture is nothing new in the history of depravity men and the sinfulness of men in every generation. And so when he wrote this letter in chapter 2, in, in chapter 2, he is specifically focusing on their condition. That's why I wanted you to know and see the first three verses, dear friend. When Paul went to Ephesus, they were not having a revival meeting. He was not asked to come as some itinerant to show them that God has a wonderful plan for your life within your pluralism and worship of false gods. Paul went with a message, and it was this. Repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, many were saved. And this letter was written to a church that he planted. It was conversion growth. There was no transfer of letters from other Baptist churches at the time. There was no non-resident and resident members and no active and inactive members in this church at Ephesus. These were newborn Christians who were born again because God did the impossible. He did the impossible. I tell you, when God takes a sinner and he raises him from the dead, friend, it's no different then if God came today and these tombs opened and these bodies and remains came and were joined again with their spirit, wherever it is, in heaven or hell, wherever on that day of resurrection, whatever the order of that, listen to me, there's going to be a time when these tombs are going to open and there'll be bodily resurrections and God will do the impossible. But I want to tell you, it's as great of an act of God's miracle and power and his grace to take an affit and pagan worshiper who hears the gospel and that young man or woman or lady or man, whoever child repents and believes the gospel. That is as much a miracle as raising someone from the dead physically. And so here the context was that God did the impossible, but God, the first three verses, they were dead. And then something happened. You know what happened? They heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, we are 21st century Christians here. We're 21st 21st century constituents here in the United States. Can I share something with you before we move on? There's no difference between the spiritual condition of those in western Kentucky by nature as there are those who were in Ephesus in the first century. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says it is appointed man once to die and then the judgment. Friend, hear me today. The good news of Jesus Christ has brought you to this place today to hear the gospel. Because today is the salvation. You say, Brother Richard, I've been a Christian for many years. I'm walking with the Lord. Then today is the day of your 
service. Today is a day of your sanctification. Today is a day for you to know Christ in a deeper way through his word. He did the impossible. Years ago, Ginger and I went to a country called Albania. Albania used to be a communist country that was the most atheistic country in the world prior to the Soviet Union's demise in 1989. There were no known believers in Albania, a country of four million people during that time uh, of the Soviet Union. And it was a puppet leader there. When we went in 2009, we went and worked with a group called Campus Crusade. You've probably heard of those, uh, that organization. We went, and ladies and gentlemen, we met a man there who was a former general in the army of the Albanian communists. We came to him, and we were introduced to him by our church partners, the indigenous folks there we went to minister to. And he said, can I share with you my testimony, Brother Richard? I said, sure. This guy was like a big guy, and he had a gold tooth. He looked like the guy that was on the James Bond movie, you know? I mean, and so Ginger and I, got, he got our attention. So we're listening to this guy, and he said, Brother Richard, let me tell you what God did for me. He said, when I was in the communist army, I was the guy that went and strangled those uh, objectors, those rebels who would not be under the, the dictator there and his totalitarian rule. I was the guy that was the bad guy that enforced all of that, and I killed many people with my hands. This is what he's telling us. I'm saying, well, this is a good introduction, you know. And he said, but let me tell you what happened. There were believers in Italy that had been praying for their kinsmen in the flesh in Albania. But they knew that they didn't have the gospel, and they began to take portions of Scripture and put them in bottles and throw them out on the Aegean Sea and would pray that the wind would take in its providence these, uh, these capsules over to Albania where someone might pick up that capsule and have, read the Scripture and be saved. And he said, I was one of those men I was there at the sea, and I found that capsule, and I read it. And he said, God showed me to my heart that I was a sinner under the wrath of God, that I needed a Savior. And friends, he said that he repented of his sins and trusted in Jesus Christ. And that man today is leading groups all over Albania to places to share the gospel. I tell you, God did the impossible in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He did the impossible in the life of these, these pagan Ephesians. He did the possible in this general pepper in Albania. And dear friend, if you're a Christian today, God did the impossible in your life because Jesus said, you must be born again. Secondly, not only did God do the impossible, but listen, God also did the improbable now, when we think about what God did, holy God, sinful man, a great gulf between God and His holiness, and you and I and the Ephesians as sinners, God had to do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. Agreed? And so what God did was not only the impossible in sending His Son, the righteous one, to die for unrighteous sinners like you and I, and then raise us from the dead through the work of His gospel power. He not only did that, but... He did the improbable because, you see, God sent his begotten son, God the Father, Jesus Christ, into this world on a rescue mission, but he came to die for sinners. Did you hear that? 
How many of you parent tonight, today? How many of you parents or grandparents would say, I would give my child up. I would let his life be lost if someone else could come to faith in Christ. Pastor, that's a heavy question. And I'm not here to put you on a, a guilt trip or anything like that. God's given you your family to take care of. And you would say like me, no, I would not give my daughter or my two sons or my grandchildren's life for someone else. I would not do that. I love my children. Now, I may give my life for someone else, but not my children. Right? Let's look what God did. God did the improbable. God was offended by our sin. We became children of wrath, nature, sinners under the, by nature. And God not only did the impossible, but God did the improbable. And God sent his son. He would not spare his only son so that he could spare sinners like you and I. Isn't that amazing? God would not spare his own son. Jesus Christ on the cross bore the infinite wrath of God for our sins. Do you hear that? God is holy and he's just. God is a God of love. But God had to be, he had to be satisfied in his wrath. And so God did the improbable. God sent his son and gave his only begotten son for Benton, Kentucky. For Western Kentucky. For Memphis, Tennessee. For Albania for Ephesus, for God so loved the world, ladies and gentlemen, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I remember years ago, we were in South Africa. We'd been to Africa 20, over 20 times through the years and many countries there, and we have a church planning partner there in South Africa, and we would go with them all through Sub-Saharan Africa uh, to preach the gospel and, uh, and then to train pastors and church leaders in biblical preaching and teaching. And so we had an old-fashioned tent meeting. Have you seen one of those before? The big white tent? We need more of those, Pastor. I think your Kentucky is known in church history in the Second Great Awakening for having many of those. And it wasn't just Baptists. I think the Methodists got along too. You know that God can save a Methodist just like he can save a Baptist? Did you know that? That God can save a Pentecostal just like he can save a Presbyterian? Did you know that? God is able to do the impossible and the improbable through Jesus Christ, his son. I was preaching, and it was in a tribal tongue. An interpreter was there, and we were about to start the meeting, and this man walked in, a tall man with a robe, and all of the constituents there, there were about 1,000 people, it was a big tent, they looked back and everybody just started going, oh, and making noises. And somebody walked in and sat at the very back. And you know who he was? He was the local witch doctor. Now I said, this is great, Lord. Here I am, you know, I'm a white evangelical, American evangelist, and you sent me over here. And now, I, Lord, I'm here with these people that don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They're worshiping uh, spirits and ancestors and all of that. That was a but God moment because I said, God, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Hide me behind the cross. Give me strength to preach your word. And so I preached the gospel. And at the end, we had a time of public invitation like we're going to have in just a moment, few moments here and throughout the week. Whenever the Bible is preached, 
explained, it should always, there should always be an invitation to follow a proper explanation of the Word of God. And so I preached the gospel, and at the end we had a time of public commitment where I said those who need to come for prayer can come to make this an altar just like we'll do here today, this week. Those of you believers who need to come pray for lost loved ones, for God to strengthen you, to give you a burden for those others who are lost in your family, community, you come and pray. But also, those of you who need to come and confess Jesus Christ publicly as your Lord and Savior. And those of you who need to come and pray and be led in the Scripture how to trust in Christ if that's your need. I remember we had just finished the last invitation hymn there were those drums and all those instruments in the back stood up just with doctrine and gently walked down the aisle now i gotta tell you uh my knees have knocked before but you know i was a, i gotta tell you i was definitely weak in the flesh at that point my first reaction was what is this guy gonna do i didn't know pastor well he was coming forward to confess jesus christ as his lord because he knew that God did the improbable for him. God did the impossible for him. And God has brought a revival in that community over the last decade because of those gospel seeds that went out and those converts to Christ from that tribal, tribalism there. And, and God did the improbable. But here's the deal, church. God is still doing the improbable today in western Kentucky. God is doing the impossible here. You see, Brother Richard, God sent you over there to Africa and Albania because, you know, they're just bigger, more, they're just more sinful than we are. Can I share with you that sin is something that has nothing to do with the, the color of our skin or the dialect that we speak or the social class we are or the amount of our W-2 or portfolio or whether we are classified in any other human category. You hear me? The Bible says that we are all sinners like these Ephesians. And our only hope is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's what God did. But God, but God, that's a conjunction for you English majors here, even your teachers and grade school, even the kids were here, they would say, well, but's a conjunction. It, it, it brings two thoughts to, uh, together, two contrasting thoughts. And that's what God was doing in the first three verses. He was saying, it's dark, you're sinners, you're under the wrath of God, you have no hope. And then we see the glorious gospel declared the rest of the chapter that we read. God did the impossible, friends. God did the improbable in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, if you're listening, I pray you are, God did the indescribable. God did the indescribable. With all these countries that we've been in all around the world, using translators to translate or mess, the message of the gospel and the training of church leaders. The only one I've trusted more beside the translator is the Holy Spirit. Amen? That the Holy Spirit would get things right. And I've even said, God, if I missed it, get it right through my translator and whatever's being the vernacular that the recipients would hear. Because my trust is not in my vocabulary or my wisdom or my eloquence of speech like Paul said. My trust is in Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel in my life. And when we see this truth here that happened to the Ephesians, 
when God transformed them, when He brought them spiritual life, when they came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God did the indescribable. And I want to tell you that there's no language on earth. Are you listening today? There's no language on earth that gives adequacy, that gives sufficiency to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have human words. We do the best we can, Pastor. We have words that we read here, even the inspired word of God that we see throughout the cover of our Bibles from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It's the inspired word of God communicated to us in our language. Amen. But listen to me. The glory of God, which is the sum and substance of all who God is and all that he has done in his creative work and his redemptive work of Jesus Christ, for us as sinners, there are no words, really, in any human vocabulary that could be able to give God the glory that he really deserves. God did the indescribable. I've written down some words here. Uh, I'm preaching this message around the world many times over the last 20 years. In Spanish, it's parodios. Parodios! In German, it's abrogat. But God, abrogat. In Indonesia, it was tapai tuhan. In uh, Russia, it was uh, nabor, nabor. In Serbia, it was alibark, alibark. And I could go on and on with different ethnicities and languages where we preached, and I've got it written in my Bible, but here's the, the word for us as we close today, that there's no words of any dialect any language on this earth that can really give God the glory for his amazing grace in Jesus Christ. And today we're focused on this message of God's grace in the life of the Ephesians. Now let's connect that as we close to where we're at today. If you hear my voice today, God has given you another opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus if, you, if you're watching today on television or Facebook Live, God has given you an opportunity. The Bible has come to you. God's word has come to you. You don't have to go anywhere. Those in the assembly right here, God has come to you through his word. We have the grace of God. The door of salvation is still open, but friend, one day it will close. And when it closes, there will be no more hope for anyone in Africa or Albania or Western Kentucky or Memphis, Tennessee. Because God has said that today is the day of salvation. So I'm looking out at you and I see the wonderful faces here, here in, in Benton, Kentucky. But God doesn't look at your face, friend, today. God looks at your heart. And God knows today whether you're truly born again by the gospel, whether you've truly been forgiven of your sins, God knows whether you've been reconciled to him. God knows today whether you're an adopted child of God. You say, Brother Richard, what must I do to be made right with God? Oh, friend, repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that but as many as received him, that he gave them the power to become the sons and daughters of God, born not of flesh, 
or of the will of man or of blood, but listen, but of God. God must do the impossible in a sinner's life. And today he wants to do that in sinners' lives, I believe, who are watching and listening today. If you're outside of Christ, today is your day. Jesus Christ offers you the gift of, the gift of eternal life. Are you willing today to acknowledge your sins before a holy God and turn from them and then place your trust in Jesus Christ? That's what the invitation is for unbelievers today. I'm not asking you, really, even if you're a member of this church or not. I pray every member of this church is regenerate, Pastor. But I know that, including my wife's testimony, she was a good church member for many years. And one day when she was 25 years old, she thought she was a Christian and God showed her that she was not right with God. She had never truly tr put her faith in Jesus Christ alone for her salvation. And so today, maybe you're in that category. If that's you today, just call, call out from your heart to him. Tell him you're a sinner and you need a Savior. And Jesus is that great Savior. Call out to him right now. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of commitment. And we're going to ask you to come forward and confess Christ. Also, if you're a believer here today, this week you're going to hear this recurring theme from me. The church outside the walls is the most important church activity between Monday and Saturday. You understand? It's your witness as a Christian with your family, with your workers, in the gym, in the grocery store, wherever you are, in the schoolroom. God has placed you in a place where you can share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who would never maybe come into a church. What an opportunity we have, Pastor. What an opportunity you have in this local area. So as I began, this is not something that can be manufactured by an orator or a, a church uh, uh, program or anything else on earth. It must happen from heaven to earth, and God must bring revival. And so you've been praying for that, and so we're going to continue praying for that. But this is a time of, of response for you, just a moment. I'm going to ask those who want to come for prayer, for their lost loved ones, for their lost friends, for their work acquaintances that God's put on your heart that need Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come and bow here and pray for those people today, this morning. Those of you who need to come, uh, and confess Christ publicly, I'm going to ask you to come and meet the pastor right here for prayer. Those of you who have trusted Christ, but you've never followed through with believer's baptism. Believer's baptism is really the public profession of faith for a Christian, according to the book of Acts, the church manual of evangelism. And so maybe you need to follow Christ in believer's baptism. Baptism doesn't save anyone. The local utility water can't remove your sin. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ that can remove your sin. But you receive that forgiveness through faith. Faith in his blood, the scripture says. That satisfies God and takes away your sins. Or maybe there's someone here today and you've been visiting this church and God's leading you today to become a member of this church. You've been baptized scripturally. It's time for you to come. No more delay. This church needs you in your online service to take this gospel out into the community.
So we're going to have a word of prayer, and we'll pray right now for you. Then I'm going to ask our, our minister of music to come and lead us, and we're all going to stand. Your pastor is going to be standing right here. But I'm going to ask anyone today that's willing to come for this time of public commitment for prayer for themselves or for others and their salvation, this is the day of the Lord. It's the Lord's day. Let us respond to his word as God has spoken to us. Father, I pray now for every person in this assembly. I pray, God, that right now your Holy Spirit would convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. I pray right now, God, that you would do the impossible in this church today. I pray that you would do the improbable in this church today. And Lord, we pray that you would do the indescribable in this church today. But God, Lord, we pray that you would do it again today through the power of your spirit using your word which has been proclaimed. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's all stand now, wherever you are.